0: Hello everyone and welcome to Journey to Success Radio Network. My name is Tom Tall Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor and resiliency actor helping people to think, speak, and act positively through the challenges of life. You can find out more about me in this interview at my website. It's uh, Tom, the number two, and tall, dot com. I have a Very exciting guest today, uh, whose book I just received in the mail yesterday, so great timing. Gordon Treadgold has worked in transformational leadership roles for over 20 years, running million dollar plus programs, leading 200 million dollar plus global operations department, and implementing large complex organizational change programs for Fortune 500 companies. He's now a visiting professor at Staffordshire University, born in Leeds in the UK, graduated in mathematics at Manchester University, married with four children. Ooh, a sports fanatic, loves that. And uh, uh, Gordon was selected by Inc. Magazine as one of their top 100 great leadership speakers. He's the number one leadership expert to follow on Twitter. That's pretty amazing. Selected by Inc. Magazine as one of their top 100 leadership and management experts in 2014. And a local boy selected by Evan Carmichael, who's a local Toronto guy here who I follow and admire. Uh, Evan selected him as the number one leadership expert to follow on Twitter for the last 10 months. He has over 400,000 followers on social media. Number two, top 15 must-read leadership blogs. And number four, top 50 most socially shared leadership blog. And we haven't even started talking about his book fast. And uh, so we'll talk about that today. Welcome to the show, Gordon. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, I,
1: I must admit, I'm I'm proud of all those achievements, but I I always go red when I hear them because I, I still put my trousers on one leg at a time, like everybody else.
0: <laughs> one of my dad's favourite sayings about yeah, favorite my dad- people yeah my, my my dad's
1: one of my dad's favorite scenes so you'd see like the queen and she goes she puts her trousers on one leg at a time <laughs> right
0: right exactly now uh because i'm handicapped uh, i have to put them on two legs at a time with a dragon dressing <laughs> stick so i corrected my dad but he uses <laughs> that phrase often yeah everybody puts their pants on one leg at a time now uh the one i'm impressed with the ink magazine top 100 great leadership speakers uh uh, Inc. Magazine is an amazing authority, expert authority, and top one hundred. It's it's a big world to be in the top one hundred great leadership speakers. Yeah,
1: and I, I was I was also in the top one hundred uh, leadership experts. I was number ninety. I was three below Bill Gates. But you know, if I'm going to be low, three below Bill Gates on the list, I'd rather it was the rich list. You know, I like magazine, <laughs> but you know, if I could get to it being three behind him on the rich list then i would be uh, i would be very very happy
0: right right that would be a lot more beneficial <laughs> now let's talk about your book because What's you know, you I... uh, you've, you've already been a new york times bestselling author
1: no no not oh, yet. Okay. that was a quote from orin orins the uh, best uh, new york times oh uh, right
0: that's still to be uh, that's still on the bucket list all right we're uh, we're saying it in a- as Zig Ziglar said, you're telling the truth in advance.
1: <laughs> Indeedy.
0: So uh, Oran Woodward, uh, someone I know, I'm a member of Life Leadership. The quote on the book is, wow. Gordon Treadgold has captured the holy grail of business success with his new book, Fast. Wow, that's a uh, a uh, powerful testimonial. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, talk about uh, your book uh, a little bit about it. it uh, What's the acronym? Acronym for it? Because I have it in front of me, but tell us what FAST stands for.
1: So, I'm not a big, I'm not a big fan of acronyms. I think sometimes they they can be a little bit contrived, and um, I, I, I kind of stayed away from that with my first book. And somebody was asking me, "What are your?" Three, uh, top three skills. And I said, well, in my experience of over the years, projects fall because of a lack of focus, a lack of simplicity, and a lack of transparency. So I would say those are my three biggest strengths. And one of my coach said, what about accountability? And I went, well, yeah, accountability goes without saying. And he said, well, you know what? If you say it, you've then got fast. I was like, wow, yeah, you're right. I haven't even had to try to, uh, you know, Come, you know, figure out an acronym or words I could use. So, fast stands for focus, accountability, simplicity, and transparency. And you know, having spent thirty years turning around failing projects and underperforming departments, things fail because of a lack of focus. Which is, a focus is the what. It's not clear what we're doing. I've worked in companies where we've been chasing revenue rather than profit and lost a lot of money. Um, It fails because of a lack of accountability, which is where that's about the who—who's doing the job? Is it clear? Has it been communicated? Do they have the tools to do it? And often things fail because people don't have the right understanding, the right skills, or the right tools. A lack of simplicity—you know—we just go out of our way to complicate things. It's unbelievable when we do that. We—if it's complicated we sometimes lack understanding on how we're going to achieve it, which then impacts confidence. A lack of confidence is not good for success. And then the last part, transparency, it's about doing the due diligence and knowing how far do we have to go, how far have we come, and how far do we have to go. And if you focus on improving in all those four areas, you will see transformational results. And I've implemented this... It with entrepreneurs. I've implemented it in $100 million programs, $200 million projects, as you say. Uh, but I've also done it on personal goals, writing a book, running a marathon. Uh, so, you know, it, it works. It will improve your performance. It won't guarantee success, but it will significantly improve your performance. My, I can't apply fast to my MBA career. Because at fifty-four, five, six, and no basketball skills, it doesn't matter how fast I do it. That's not going to happen. But it will, <laughs> it will, it will improve your performance significantly and put you on a road to success.
0: Nice. Now, uh, one thing that. Uh is kind of interesting for me is and you talk a lot about simplicity and keeping yeah. things simple and yet if you're working on a hundred million dollar or two hundred million dollar project it would be hard to find the simplicity in uh, some of those projects so uh, talk about why that's so important the simplicity and keeping things simple even if you're involved in massive hundred million dollar plus projects.
1: So I worked for I worked for a, a company in uh, in Germany, and I was running a, a department. We had a thousand staff in the department, internals and externals, and we had a lot of. Uh, you know, this was in an in a, an IT shop, so I was responsible for data centers, help desk, application development, maintenance. You know, everything to do with uh, systems delivery, I, I was responsible for. And I had a a meeting with my senior management team and I told them there are only two goals for this organization. One is to reduce cost. The other is to improve performance. If anything you do any time of the day doesn't lead to lower cost or improve performance, stop doing it. Just stop doing it. It's not adding value. It's not helping us. And if I ask you to do it, just remind me, that um, these are our two objectives and when we did that people um, you know clearly could understand and see what our focus was and it allowed them to just eliminate unnecessary tasks which were complicating the situation making them work hours that were too long and by doing that, it really got everybody on the same page, and we were able to. We actually cut a significant amount of money from the operation, and as well as improve performance by over fifty percent. So sometimes, the simplicity—it's about understanding what we're doing. The the work was still complicated, but people had a clear understanding of what it
0: was they
1: needed, to do and then how they could contribute.
0: Nice. Uh, now another one. of he uh focuses uh the second part of fast is accountability um it, with the different generations and i forget what i'm in but you know the millennials the boomers the gen x's and gen y's uh is it why is it so important it's still so important but tell us the difference be- between being accountable and being responsible and is there a difference uh with the different generations and ages of people uh, I don't know in my generation you're just brought up to be responsible and accountable yeah. but it seems like that is not uh, as prevalent it is as it used to be.
1: Well so, so my experience is that the levels of accountability are pretty much the same the, there's not a lot of understanding of the difference between accountability and responsibility and the level to which it's lived is is pretty much the same although what we what we're seeing at the moment with millennials there's a lot more responsibility and accountability in and around environmental stuff so you really see that the generation now are much more greener and uh environment friendly so for me the difference between accountability and responsibility is that responsibility is the person who's possibly doing the job who's doing the execution and I always like to talk about this in a sporting context. So you've got, you know, if you take American football, for instance, you know, you've got the quarterback who's responsible for, for passing the ball, for handing it off to the running backs. Running backs are responsible for making the plays. They're the guys on the field doing the job. They are responsible. The head coach, he never steps on the field once, but he is accountable for the results. When the team wins or loses, It's his job that's on the line. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, how can that be? He doesn't play. Yeah, you're right. He doesn't play, but he picks the team. He comes up with the tactics. He comes up with the strategies. He's allowed to make changes throughout the game. You know, those adjustments, he's accountable. And that's the difference between accountability and responsibility. And what I often see is that people who are accountable try and push accountability onto the people doing the work. And you can't delegate accountability. When you do that, you're actually starting to look for somebody to blame. And, you know, generationally, I see, this. you know, I don't see huge differences. A lot of people in leadership don't want to be accountable. They want to push that onto the people you know that are working for them. And one of the challenges with accountability, you know, when I I coach executives and they say, my team is not working, it's not going well, what do you think I should do? I always give the same answer. If you want to know where it's going wrong, who to blame, get a mirror. And the person looking back at you <laughs> is the person you need to start with. And if you don't accept that you're accountable, then you can't solve it. You're almost abdicating ownership of the problem. And if you actually accept accountability, you put yourself in a position to say okay it's my fault what can i do to change it and now you're empowered now you can go do it and this is why accountability is so important and accountability leadership defines culture and the number of companies i've worked with where they say we want a culture of accountability and it doesn't start with the leadership Mm -hmm. they want everybody else to be accountable but they don't want to be you know they don't want to be uh, tied to the commitments and promises they've made if you're not accountable why should your team be accountable
0: Exactly.
1: it starts at the top and as i said generationally i don't see a lot of you know one generation more accountable than uh hmm. than others.
0: neat uh now i worked for a management consultant for four years uh implementation based working on these kind of projects uh, that you're talking about and and our whole life was focused on efficiency and effectiveness uh, but uh, everybody needs to improve both of those. But not everybody knows the difference between yeah. efficiency and effectiveness.
1: So, so for me, efficiency is about doing a good job. And how can we make the job we're doing better? Effectiveness is about making sure you're doing the right job. And so there's a natural sequence to this. You should look to be effective first. Make sure you're doing the right job. Because then once you're doing the right job, once you start focus on doing that job better, you're going to see the benefits of your performance. Whereas if you go for efficiency first, you might actually be doing the wrong thing. And then it doesn't matter how well you do the wrong thing, you're not going to see any improvements. It's like me. If I want to go on a diet to lose 10 pounds in 10 weeks. If I decide my approach is going to be having three donuts three jelly donuts for every meal, focusing on how I can better prepare and how I can quicker eat those donuts isn't going to help me move towards the goal because that diet just isn't going to work. It doesn't matter how well I do it, how nicely I cut those donuts, how quickly I eat them or how tasty they are. It's not going to work. So you need to get effectiveness first, make sure you're doing the right job once you've got all four wheels on the road, then you can focus on going faster. And that that's really, for me, the difference.
0: Neat. And that explains it very, very well. Uh, now, also, uh, you talked about some great examples of failure in the book. And uh, um, can you highlight uh, uh, where people, uh, where they went wrong and uh, when you lack failure, can uh, you highlight sorry failures in your book and what can go wrong when you lack when you lack failure uh, can you share us one of your uh, favorite stories from that book uh, people like to hear for <laughs> some reason these stories of failure
1: yeah I, and uh I, I i did um i did a couple for each of them focus accountability simplicity transparency there's about seven or eight in the book i've actually got um, the articles of over 50 failures and and what you see is that that you know they do fall pretty much into the four groups and coming back to what we were talking about before on the difference between effective and efficient those are always my favorite ones because that's where you really see the glaring area and one of them i mentioned in the book is the french railway company who they wanted to upgrade their trains they had a uh 15 billion dollar project to improve the trains they delivered the trains ahead of schedule beautiful trains but these trains are too big for 800 of the regional stations so they're beautiful delivered ahead of time but not fit for purpose and this is because <laughs> of a lot of focus <laughs> I mean they made the trains too big. <laughs> And and what's really bad about that is that Uh, Well, there are a couple of things. One is that that project was about making the trains bigger and more comfortable. They just didn't know how big too big was. So, you, you know, you've got somebody who's done a really efficient job, but it didn't work because you've made the trains too big. And there's a lot of embarrassment about that. I mentioned that in the book, you know, what's the cost of it? And it's going to cost about $150 million. It'll probably be double that come the end. But, wow. In terms of in terms of contingency budget, you've worked in IT on projects. You were saying, you know, you but your contingency budget's probably ten percent. You've they've probably got a one point five billion dollar contingency budget. So you know, oh. clearly, you know, I wouldn't want it to come out of my pocket. But clearly, they've got enough money. But the other aspects of it are the disruption to customers. They've got to go in. And not only are these trains too big, they won't pass each other, so you need to make the tracks further apart in 800 stations. (laughs) Even the train going through the station on its own can't do it. So you've got to move the platforms back. (laughs) <laughs> that's massive. That's a massive disruption to France, and and of course nobody in England laughed when we heard the French had made the trains too big. So it's a little bit of there's a little bit of nationalistic humiliation. I
0: mean,
1: as, as project manager, do you want to go to the president and say, "Oh, by the way, <laughs> this is funny. It'll make you laugh. Uh, <clears throat> we've made the trains too big." I mean, that guy, that guy is probably never going to get a. a a decent job again after that kind of monumental cock-up and th- that I, that story I really loved and I put that one in because I thought it was a great example but I also put it in because of the value involved 15 billion dollars but also the Australian Navy they built landing craft and this one's not in the book they built landing craft for their ships and this was a $650 million project and the landing craft are too big. They will not fit <laughs> any ships in the French, in the Australian Navy. And, uh, and, and just, you know, coming back with one more, because one of the things they're in the book is that the issues that plague major corporations, the causes of them are exactly the same as at the entrepreneurial level. There's just a lo- different level of impact. And I have a, An uncle who was a quantity surveyor, you know, his job is to make sure, you know, works on building sites, does all the measuring and everything. And he actually built his own garage, measured his car, built the garage perfectly so the car would fit in the garage. Woohoo, success. Only problem, couldn't open the doors of the car in the garage. (laughs) You know, that's three examples of exactly the same issue. People didn't know what success looked like. And, it, and the garage is beautiful, but you just, it, it's just it's not, fit, it's not fit for purpose. And there's loads of examples of this. So you, know, so, you know, not only does fast start with, but it's also the first point in getting things right. You know, if you know what success looks like, you are well and truly on the road to success. If you don't know what it looks like, you can do a great job and still be screwed
0: <laughs> <laughs> my dad my dad calls those things that are not fit for purpose uh, good for boat anchors
1: <laughs> but, yeah, it, but it's amazing how many uh you know examples are you know there's a, a really good um quote from uh from a tailoring and that's measure twice cut once and I think if a lot of people measured twice, then the cutting once would be great. But if you only measure once and cut once, you know, once you've cut the suit, it's too late if you've got the measurements wrong. We need to check that we're aiming at the right target. Because if you're aiming at the wrong target, doesn't matter how good a shot you are. Failure fairly is on your other
0: <laughs> <laughs> Now, if there is one thing that people take out of this book, What would it be? Where would you suggest our listeners start in order to be able to increase their own personal success?
1: So I think I I, I would I would suggest there are two areas I would suggest for them to look at. I think all you know one of the benefits is that if you increase your uh, simplicity it's easier to focus because it's easier to focus on things that are simple and not complex. And if you have more transparency, it's easier to hold people accountable. So as you improve in each area, it has a multiplying effect. So I would definitely tell people, you know, try and focus on all all four. But the two, I think, which will probably give people more laugh a lot is focus. Be clear about what success looks like. And then the other one is simplicity. If you're running a large organization, the simpler you can communicate things, the easier it will be for people to understand and that, the of the buying. Because what I found is that people are not afraid of hard work. People are afraid of failure. So if you can give them a simple explanation of how to be successful and you can see that, People will get right behind it and they'll work really, really hard. If they can't see it because it's overly complicated, then you don't get that same level of commitment. So, focus on
0: so choose one of those focus or simplicity. Nice. Uh, now, I always recommend that people buy books directly from the author's website and look at you. You got your name as your website. I always recommend that to people, although even mine doesn't have my name, but Too tall is what I'm more known for. And if you Google Tom Cunningham, there's some other famous dude, but yeah. there's probably only a few Gordon Treadgolds. There's only one,
1: so actually.
0: Only one. Yeah. That's that-
1: that was one of the reasons why I started writing. Um, I was I was looking for another job and somebody said to me, "Oh, you know, when you when people apply for jobs, the job agencies and companies Google you. So you need to make sure that uh, when they Google you, it says something good. So I Googled Gordon Treadcold and I was the only one and they had things like, you know, my phone number in white pages. I'm on <laughs> and at A couple of conferences I spoke and I thought, wow, that real estate is empty. I better, right. fill, I better fill it quickly. So, and that's what got me to start writing and uh, putting all this stuff out. So if people Google me, I will be the only one they will find. Bizarre, right. I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I currently don't have the book available on the website yet. We'll be doing that in a couple of weeks. So, but people can pre-order it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Oh nice, okay. And
0: so we don't need to tell if if we have to tell people how to spell Gordon, they need something more than this interview. So Gordon at Treadgold, T-R-E-D, G O L D dot com. So Gordontreadgold.com. Uh visit the website. I'm on it. I have been on it. It's a good website. I like Parallax Design. I like how well it's done. Uh, great content on there. So uh, Gordontreadgold.com, Amazon. Amazon's everywhere in the world, so you can buy it wherever. And uh, Barnes & Noble, I haven't been in one lately. They're not in Canada, but a good place to buy it as well. Uh, GordonTreadgold.com. Thank you so much for your time today, Gordon. Uh, uh, my audience is going to love your uh, fancy accent there. And uh, uh, for me to interview a top 100 leadership uh, expert, uh, just three below Bill Gates. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty good. Now, when you get on that other list you're talking about, the wealthiest three below Bill, uh, <laughs> then I'll, I'll interview it, get you again at that point.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, w- I will. Uh, I'll actually f- I'll fly up and we'll do that in person. <laughs> Very
0: good. <laughs> on your jet.
1: Yeah, we'll do it on. We'll do it on my yacht. I'll just sail up from we'll just <laughs> onto, on, uh, down, on around a little bit and uh, do that there.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Gordon. I'm really looking forward to reading your book, and uh, I will be one of your close followers uh, on social media. Thank you very much. Have an amazing day. You too. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of
1: Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email tom at tomtootall.com for details.